I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. The senior rider with the athletic covering college basketball. Really fun story today inside John Calipari's midnight exit from Memphis to Kentucky. Dana O'Neill. Make it the big interview. Award-winning writers, athletes, coaches, the biggest names in sports. It's the Gary Parish Show Big Interview on 92.9 FM ESPN. Hey, Dana O'Neill. How are you today? I am doing all right, I think. Coming up for air a little bit today. You know how these days go, Gary. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you know, you get into a rhythm. I was thinking about this earlier today. During the season, like, we know our days are going to be busy, but we know that in advance. Like, when we go to bed the night before, you know what you're <laughs> up to the next day. You know, last night I went to bed thinking I was going to have a pretty open Tuesday, and uh, I put in a full day's of work today. Yeah, I feel yeah, exactly that. I was I'm actually teaching like a, a journalism class to poor students at eight o'clock in the morning, and I get the, the text message. I'm like, well, good news, guys, class is ending early because I gotta go home. So, <laughs> I don't think they were heartbroken, that's for sure. Yeah, well, at least they, at least they got a light day, even if if we didn't. Yeah. Uh, uh, talking to Dana O'Neill uh, from the Athletic, I do want to get to the Calipari story before I let you go because it, it was tremendous, fun read. Um, I, I dove into it after I finished all this IARP case, but uh, let's start there. Uh, Memphis learns its punishment this morning. No postseason ban, no suspension for Penny Hardaway, no scholarship reductions. It really is uh, probably something less than a slap on the wrist. Um, how surprised, if at all, were you that this is the outcome? You know, I was really surprised. I guess maybe – I've been thinking about it all day, and I think we're so used to judging these things, right, to the prism of the Committee on Infractions, and it's like penalty A results in, you know, infraction B results in, you know, here we are. So it's just that's how they do business. And because this is a different group, I don't know, I was just, of course, cynical and assumed that they would just do things the same old way. So I was I was shocked, and, and not just because – you know, not just because they didn't follow the pattern, but because there were some serious allegations here. But I also am sort of maybe surprised in my own reaction. I think there was a time in my life not that long ago that I would be wildly offended by all of this, and now I'm like, whatever. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? We've we've kind of gotten to the point where the NCA as an institution, as such, you know, as an enforcement institution, is irrelevant, and we're, we're giving people NIL money now to survive off of that they deserve. So am I really going to get my knickers in a twist over this? No, I don't think so. Um, Memphis's argument uh, was rooted in, at least in part, um, the, some of the same stuff that North Carolina's argument was rooted in five years ago. If you remember that, and I know you do, North Carolina argued, okay, sure, we got some fraudulent classes on, on campus, but A, that's, that's not your job to, to determine 
what's a real class and what isn't in CAA, and B, um, these classes were available to everybody. So if they're available to everybody, non-student athletes and student athletes alike, how is it an extra benefit? And the NCAA said, all right, you got us, move on with your day. And in this case, what Memphis argued is, hey, Penny Hardaway's been giving money to people, basketball players and non-basketball players, for decades. This is he, he, this is uh, uh, philanthropy. It's not mm-hmm. uh, a, a, an extra benefit. And the panel said, okay. Um, you know, is that, I guess let's start here. You know, I don't, I don't think we have to lie to each other and pretend that Penny Hardaway gave James Wiseman's mother $11,500 to keep her from losing her home or to pay her light bill. It was literally to get him to play center for, for yep. East High School. So were you surprised that, that, that this panel was um, able to accept that argument uh, that, that Memphis made? Well, I mean, I, I think, look, for those of us who kind of live in this real world and know how this all works and how the sausage is made, yeah, I mean, yeah, because, right, your, your Penny wasn't, like, buying, you know, her, uh, buying anyone a place to get them out of poverty and save their lives. He wanted them to be a good basketball player. And in the end, he also definitely benefited James Wiseman's family, and he's benefited lots and lots of people, as we all know, in Memphis. But it's a little different when, you know, the person you're benefiting is a seven-foot center who can, you know, change things. I think where the NCAA honestly got tricked up by this, because this is why the argument had some teeth, is the timeline. I mean, you're arguing that Penny was a booster in 2008 because he donated a million dollars to the Sports Hall of Fame. And then you're saying in 2017 he paid for James Wiseman to move. Well, he wasn't the Memphis coach yet. Now, so you could argue that, yeah, he was moving him to help be- help benefit Memphis, but I just think the timeline is messy for them. I really do. And you're trying to make him guilty as a coach, and you're trying to make him guilty as a booster, and you're trying to say all of this happened intentionally. Well, it's kind of like, I mean, to quote the, you know, the brilliant Mr. Ball, stay in your lane. Like, which one do you want to be in here? You can't have them all. It was certainly a unique case, and I think it's clear at this point that that worked in Memphis's favor. Yeah. I'm talking to Dana O'Neill from The Athletic. She's on Twitter, at Dana O'Neill writer. Um, the other point that was made in the Zoom call, and you asked a question about this that I thought was a totally reasonable question, was that they explained that the, the panel believed, truly believed, that Penny Hardaway, when he put James Wiseman in the starting lineup against South Carolina State in that season opener, was unaware of James Wiseman's eligibility problems, even though those issues had been relayed to the University of Memphis. Um, like, I, I'm glad they didn't have to convince me of that. I'm glad they only had to convince this panel of that because, you know, I, I think if I were to text 10 coaches right now and say, how likely yeah. is it that your number one recruit would have eligibility issues, your school would know, but you wouldn't know, they would all just <laughs> reply with a LOL. What did you make of that weird story? Yeah, I mean, that was just – that was – Ridiculous. I mean, for all the stuff you want to go for the for the macro decisions, the micro decisions were ludicrous, and that being at the top of the list. I mean, there's no way that Penny Hardaway is, you know, I mean, James Wiseman is running around getting a restraining order, and the NCA is putting statements out on Twitter about a very a named student athlete's, you know, eligibility, which it never does. I mean, this stuff was like kind of crazy. It was crazy, Jen. I'm sure you lived through it. You know, I'm not telling you anything. And so Penny is like sitting there, like with his, you know, like his hands over his eyes and over his ears. Like I don't know anything that's going on. Come on. I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous. They're playing a semantics game, is what they're doing, because the NCA said 
he will likely be ineligible in their statement. And so they can argue, well, by the time he found out he was ineligible, it was too late. But most people, I think the other 357 coaches will tell you, is if they have a sniff of a kid that's going to be ineligible, they err on the side of caution (laughs) because they don't want to be docked a bunch of games or get in trouble. So I I found that to be a little bit um, beyond the pale. That one and the one about the um, who's who should or should not be responsible for scrubbing a laptop memory. That one kind of made me chuckle as well. I'm talking to Like Dan- the institution should be pr- punished because they should have stopped him from scrubbing the uh, memory, but the coach who scrubbed the memory was innocent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, uh, I, it was confusing. It was a confusing Zoom call. I'm talking to Dane O'Neill from The Athletic. She's also the author of The Big East, Inside the Most Entertaining and Influential Conference in College Basketball History. You can find that anywhere you find books, including Amazon. One more thing on this. Can you draw anything from the results of the Memphis case of what it might mean for Kansas or any other school still facing IARP punishment? All right. I was talking to actually a lawyer about that for a story I posted earlier today, and it is a little bit messy. I don't think you can make an if X happened here, it's going to happen to Y, because as you said earlier, the Memphis case is pretty confusing and you know it's very unique because of Penny's status all over the place. The other cases are all wrapped up in an, NC, an FBI investigation with wiretaps and federal evidence um, of evidence of pay-for-play. It's a little bit different of an animal. I will say I think a couple of things that I can take away is, look, th- this group said all the, uh, the NCAA's favorite trick was taking a bunch of minor penalties and turning them into a major. They threw that out the window. They said, you're not doing, you're not doing that. The NCAA's other favorite trick of saying if you failed to help us, we're going to really kill you. They didn't really, they said that Memphis didn't really cooperate, but they didn't kill them for it. And, you know, some of these schools, especially Kansas, have really dug in their heels about helping the NCA. So maybe that factors in. But I think right now we kind of have to wait and see because it's, it's a broad leap between the Memphis situation and what went on in those other schools, particularly if you're looking at like Louisville as a multiple offender, you're looking at Will Wade, you know, and his, you know, strong ass offers on a wiretap. I mean, they're, they're a little hard to dance around, but you know, what do I know? I mean, I thought, I thought in the race, computer memory was a hard thing to dance around too. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm talking to Dane O'Neill from the athletic moving on. Um, interesting that the column dropped today inside John yeah. Calipari's midnight exit from Memphis to Kentucky um, first, just I'm curious, what made you decide to dive into this story now? Well, that's why it's so funny that it posted today. You know how these things go, Gary. Sure. Like, middle of summer, we need a couple of cool ideas. Like, you know, what's some things we could do? Like, you know, let's look into some of like, the craziest exits in college basketball. And so this was like one of the ones I was like, oh, this would be fun. So I kind of wrote it, and we held on to it, kind of waiting to see where it would fit because it was kind of evergreen. <laughs> so just <laughs> randomly. <laughs> It dropped today, and I felt, like, compelled to tell people at Memphis, we did not plan this. So, I don't know. I just thought it was hilarious. I had I had certainly covered this stuff, not as well as you did, but I covered it. I knew the backstory was kind of bananas. And, look, I do think there's something to be said for that being still, the you know, the bone of contention because, you know, Memphis was here. That's where they want to get back to, and that's where they want Penny to take them. So, John Calipari, whether you want him to or not, is still mixed up in your business a little bit. Talking to Dane O'Neill from The Athletic. You talked to Josh Pastor, and he was great. And I, I, I thought the way he explained his time at Memphis was, um, was pretty good. He said, I survived it. You know, like, I, 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 I did it. I got through it. My career wasn't over. I landed another good job at Georgia Tech. And that's about all he could do on the heels of John Calipari. You know, I remember being at the 
I don't know, a regional or maybe the Final Four. I'm a little unclear on the timeline. But I remember being with Jeff Capel, who was coming off a phenomenal year at Oklahoma, and he was like, so what's going on in Memphis? I was like, I don't know. Like, they're, they're struggling. I was like, you want the job? He's like, let me call my wife. And he called his wife, and he was like, hey, would we be interested in the Memphis job? And she was like, no. And he's like, no, I'm not following John Calipari. I mean, he was mostly joking around. But I just remember it was very div- – you couldn't get anybody that wanted to step into that. And Josh yep. sort of acknowledged, I didn't want to step into it, but what am I supposed to do, turn down the Memphis job? You know, It's a little bit like you probably don't want to follow Mike Krzyzewski, but if you're John Shire, yep. you got to take the, the Duke job when it's offered to you. And Josh was in a similar situation. Yeah, I mean, he had a great line. He's like, he, his line was something like, you have to be cuckoo to follow John Calipari at Memphis. And then he paused and said, I was the cuckoo. Right. Like, you know, I, I'm the moron that's that. And, and look, the, the truth is still holds, right? Whoever follows John Calipari at Kentucky someday, good luck to you, sir, um, because that's going to be difficult, too. But yeah, I mean, he, he walked into an impossible situation for anybody, certainly somebody as young and as green as he was. I mean, he was on the staff for like, oh, about five minutes. It wasn't like he was this established top assistant with years underneath his belt where everyone was talking about him as the next big hire. It was sort of like Joshua. And all of a sudden he's in charge of this massive program with so many expectations with the city that is desperate for, you know, success. And I remember going down to visit him uh, and riding through town, you know, as he was going to do a speaking engagement when he first got the job. And he just said, like, people would just randomly flip him off. He's like, I didn't even do anything yet. Can you give me a chance? He wasn't good enough. That's what the bottom line was. So, yeah, he was a great sport, and he was hilarious, just telling the story of of trying to live through it all, thinking he's going to Kentucky, and then all of a sudden, by the way, you're the head coach. Just one more thing on this. Now, John, all these years later, still at Kentucky, got a preseason top five team, heralded recruiting class, Mm -hmm. um, but is clearly – under a lot of pressure. Uh, like, I, yeah. I, I, I can't I, – if you'd have told me years ago that there would ever be a day where the Kentucky football coach would feel in, <laughs> empowered enough to stand up to John Calipari and that Kentucky fans would largely side with the football coach, that was unimaginable to me. And yet that happened this offseason. Uh, do we think John you know, gets the fan base back on, the, on his side after this season or – is he at risk of, if this doesn't turn out well, he could really find himself with, with some legitimate job pressure? Yeah, I think, I think, look, especially because, you know, we all love John because John loves to talk and loves to talk up his team. And he has talked up this team a lot based on their summer trip and, and all the expectations. He has not run away from saying this team is really good. Um, and he's brought a lot of attention on this, this team. So, ergo, the expectations are as you know, in Kentucky, one direction and one direction only. He better make it to a Final Four. And if I would him, I would him. I would strongly suggest an appearance, at least, in the national championship game, which is delusional, of right. course, because things happen during the course of the season. But that's basically where this team is because he has gotten a lot of leverage out of his NBA talent, and he's recruited a lot of great players, and he has one national championship to show for it. And in other places, people might just be fine with that, but not there. So I think, yeah, I think this team has an extremely, extremely large amount of pressure on their shoulders as well as on his. I don't know, you know, is Mitch Barnhart brave enough to fire him? I don't know. But you could tell he was not pleased with all the kerfuffle with him, you know, with him, with the football coach this offseason. So I'd be curious to see how Mitch Barnhart would, you know, handle that because in the past there would be no chance he would do anything, but I'm not so sure anymore. Wrapping up here with Dane O'Neill from The Athletic. Last thing before I let you go. Um, now this IARP case is in Penny Hardaway's rearview mirror. 
They have no five-star recruits, no reclassified future pros. It's just an <laughs> older team um, with very little fanfare, most project as a borderline NCAA tournament team, but nobody has as a preseason top 25 team. It, I know it's early, but is it possible that year five of the Penny Hardaway era will be the most drama-free year that we've ever had? Yeah, yeah, I think so, which, you know, is not a high bar to crawl over because all they've had <laughs> is drama. But, but you know, here's the thing. I, I think you have to remember, too, that you're right. They, they don't have a lot of fanfare this year. And after everything that they went through last year, I think people lost sight of one thing. That team got a lot better at the end of the season, as messy as the Imani Bates situation was. He managed it, and they came out on the other side a better team for how he managed it. And I don't think you can discredit that. I think he actually figured out some coaching things last year going through all of that. And when you get an older team and you think there's not going to be any drama, theoretically, if he can get them to play hard, which he got last year's team to do, that could bode very, very well for Memphis this year. I think they'd be very interesting to watch. I really do because while I know a lot of people have a lot of bad things about say about Penny in the business or whatever, I think he actually wants to be good at this, and I think he actually is trying to be good at this, and I think he did a pretty darn good job coaching last year. That is Dana O'Neill from The Athletic. She's on Twitter, at Dana O'Neill Writer. If you haven't read the story today, go find it at The Athletic. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.